You're listening to a pod of Mass and Methods. Welcome to episode one of A Pod of Moss and Methods. Welcome. I'm Allie, and I am a Mossiverse fan. And I'm Marjorie, and I've never read a single word until this well, week. Not this week. I was going to say tonight, but that's a lie. It was like two nights ago. Yeah. Until two nights ago. You Woo! know nothing, Jon Snow. I know nothing. nothing. So, welcome mm-hmm. to the first ever read-along, Moss being Mossiverse, Methods being us, Taking it apart piece by piece. Editing Ellie here, I go back and forth between saying moss and mass. It's just something I do. I don't mean to, and I'm sorry. If you are reading piece by piece, if you're reading along, please read chapters one through four. So we are going to start every episode with a five sentence summary. I'm going to go. Then Marjorie's going to go. We have absolutely no idea what the other mm-hmm. person's going to say, and we're going to get us through the chapters. Is this for each chapter or for each? Whole thing. The whole four chapters. Okay. The whole four okay, chapters. Okay, okay. I'm going to start. Okay. There was a girl in the woods hunting. And then she shot something she shouldn't have. She brought it home to her spoiled sisters. They're real little bitches, got to say. <laughs> And then they tried to sell it in the marketplace. And a bad furry animal came to get her. The end. The end. That's, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I liked the spoiled bitches. Okay. I could have wrapped it up with a semicolon sentence. I know. I we, we were doing more like phrases than full sentences. Yeah, you that's know, true. If I, if I could get some commas in there, you know, a few... Uh, yeah, no. odds. It could have Next out. week you have to start. All so right, well. get it together. All right. So there are no chapter titles. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would name each chapter as we go. Okay. And the first thing we'll do is I'll name the chapter and then we're going to get into the discussion. So you all know during the discussion, we're going to intro characters. We're going to talk about their names. We're going to talk about the etymology and backgrounds of things and give you maybe a quote or two that we like. So this is <laughs> chapter one. Hi, it's me. I'm the protagonist. It's me. That's the name of the yeah, first chapter. <laughs> Allie's also a huge Swifty. So I am it all a big Swifty. I'm a perfect person. Okay, let's talk <laughs> about this mm-hmm. chapter. Okay. I can feel and see the snow wafting around this girl. Editing Allie here. In the future, Marjorie and I decide to summarize each chapter first, but we're not quite there yet on the podcast. Forgive us. This was my favorite chapter of the four. It's eloquently written. It's it's lovely. Um, I have one of my notes where I wrote, I have an existential crisis by page four. Because I was Ooh. like, why is this so good? <laughs> I told you. I was like, you said she was 19 when she wrote it. That's not fair. <laughs> She's so I mean, young. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so great being directly mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. protagonist's head while she's decision making right away. Yeah. Um. Very visceral descriptions. Like, I felt like I was there. I I think she does this. I think Moss does it really well the first couple chapters where, especially in this one, where she uses the scene to slip in backstory. And it never really feels like an info dump because she's moving it along with so much else. It was It was so much. You're finding out that she's not only in danger of starvation. She's in danger from some sort of immortal beings. You're finding out that it's cold. You're mm-hmm, finding mm-hmm, out that mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. has to, like, take care of her family. Right. Yeah. She's the, the, the breadwinner. She's the, the fighter. She's everything. Yeah. And I just, I wrote down that it took such a long time for her to decide to shoot that arrow. And I think that that says a lot about Feyre. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, she isn't just like, well, I'll kill the one and then the other or I'll... You know, she she's you're with her while she's logicking her way into this murder. 
Well, she doesn't know it's a murder. She doesn't. But she is thinking, she has to, like, think about, like, she has so many arrows. There's not any deer close by. She's trying to feed her family as well as stay safe. And, you know, it's not a movie where you can just, like, ring off two arrows really quickly. That's not how it works in real life. One (laughs) animal startles and they know you're there. Right. So it's, like, very much kind of builds up the stakes of the decision. It does. And so that we know, Feyre in Old English literally means fair or beautiful. Well, she's Belle. Right she's Belle. Yeah, fair. she's Faye. But fair, right? you know, but I mean, mm, I think mm. it's exactly what Belle is in Beauty and the Beast, right. which, as we know, this is a loose retelling of. Mm-hmm. So this is another thing I didn't know about the story because I was under the impression. Because of a few things you said where it's like, oh, you're reading the first four chapters and she doesn't go into the magical world until then. I was like, oh, this is going to start in modern world. And, ah. it's a, and it's a portal fantasy. Well, neither of those are true. It is it does not start in modern times and it is not a portal fantasy because she is in the land. It is in a whole other second second world magical land. Right. So. Yeah. And that land, they give us the name in the first chapter, Prithian, which is a corruption of the ancient name for Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Brithian or Brithen, Briton. Well, I mean, I definitely opened up and saw that uh, map and was like, well, that's England. That's, that's the United Kingdom right there. Okay. Yeah. And Europe. So it was very um, clear. Yeah. From and the you'll, shape. Yeah. From the shape, you can tell it's, it's uh, Great Britain. And then you'll kind of, will hear words throughout the story that kind of mm-hmm. give you a hint of like where they are. So it right. definitely looks like England. Right. Is Moss English? She's not English. She's not. She's American? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was curious. I don't think it's said in the description. Yeah. She, and I was like, where does she live? Who is she? Mm-hmm. She she is American. She's from New mm-hmm. York. Grew up in New York and currently lives in Pennsylvania with her mm-hmm. husband and son, I want to say. I think it's Editing it. Alley here. Sarah J. Mass has a son and a daughter. What a yeah. Son. So... I thought it was interesting. Um, so Hunter Girls, again, that was the thing that made me flip to see what year this was published. I was like, that was super trendy at that time. It's very Katniss. It's very Hawkeye. The Hobbit movies were coming out. Ha- bow and arrows were having a moment. They were. And you know what? I will honestly say the first time I read the book, I almost put it down because of that. Mm. I was like, ugh, another another protagonist just protecting her family i was so You're like oh my god two yeah <laughs> it's too many i was so bored by it like you can't be that many powerful women <laughs> i will say and this is not a spoiler she, i mean she maintains being you know mm-hmm. a very strong mm-hmm. woman but the bow and arrow does not carry her through the way it does katniss right i i think it's an interesting trend to look at in media and how we put it the bow and arrow in the hands of women and it's a cool thing. It's like a little more tactical. It's a little more strategic and precise. But I think, especially like in Hunger Games, this might be going on a tangent, but I'm doing it. Do um, it. In Hunger Games, I feel like it was a way to make it like, here's how she can compete with people who are stronger than her because she's like a distance fighter. But bows and arrows, they take, they're, they take a lot of strength. Oh, yeah. Actually upper shoot. body strength. They're a physical strength thing. So... You know, not to, it's not to be underestimated. No, I absolutely agree. I think also we, we get an idea of um, Sarah's mm-hmm. um, background knowledge of, like, magic as you read this. Because we mm. get the traditional iron and ashwood mm-hmm. thing. Which, like, iron, cold iron is historically believed to repel contain or like harm ghosts fairies right. and and witch yes. witches and ashwood was a wood um that was a the ash tree was a symbol of healing magic and life so and that's norse mm-hmm. um so both of those things are things that we see constantly being right. interconnected with right. the fae i it's skipping ahead till something that's not said until chapter four but kind of goes with this is like the lore of fairies and they had a whole fairies can't lie or mm-hmm. fae are they just called fae in this the fae? both fairies okay, the fae. Fae. I mean, they're interchangeable so i was just making sure i wasn't yeah. just interchanging them in my head right um and i really like that when you have sort of supernatural or magical creatures because if they're going to be super strong it likes to it's nice to have them be bound by some other rules and that they can't lie rule is just so interesting because 
it can just be intriguing of like how do they speak around the truth or I, I've seen say done in some other media so I I do I didn't know it was about fairies either I didn't know that I, I love it this book was about <laughs> I love it yeah I said so I skipped down to the etymology and connections for book four um mm-hmm. and I looked up um Fairies are great lovers and respecters of the truth, and indeed, it's not wise to attempt to deceive them, nor will they ever tell a direct lie or break a direct promise. Right, yeah. So that's what I looked up when I was looking at, like, fairy lore in general. And she does a great job of weaving fairy tale lore in with Mm -hmm. the fae and having it, like, walk the line. Right. Which I really think is great. Um, okay, so a quote that blew me away from chapter one was, but the wolf merely looked at me, his maul stained with blood, my ash arrow protruding so vulgarly from his side. I thought that was beautiful. I have a couple lines I love. Okay, give them to they me. They might be very unassuming compared to that, but one I love was, once it had been second nature to favor the contrast of new grass against dark tilled soil. Mm. That's beautiful. And I also love um, mesmerizing the lethal, gentle beauty of the snow. And also gentle and lethal, the comparison, the mm-hmm. accuracy, because it's freezing to death. But it's like, lovely. Those were, that were both very poignant. Oh, that yeah. Was good. That is good. And I, th- I think it shows her writing chops. Like these. Yeah. These, these are real poignant moments of writing. They are. You ready for chapter two? I'm ready for chapter two. Let's do it. So can I say something maybe I didn't like about her writing? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> something I noticed that a trend that she does, and it's something that I used to do, so maybe that's why it stood out to me, is when she does a list of three things, she does word one and word two and word three hmm. as opposed to you know making it a list you know word. so give me an example word. do you have Ooh, one? i have examples okay i want a couple because oh, there are I things about her writing that are, are funny not to mention the whispers of strange folk spotted in the area tall and eerie and deadly or um it's been a long time since we had enough time to put those colors and shape downs on paper or canvas or the cottage walls hungry and empty and sometimes cruel basically i found a whole bunch through all the chapters and i'm like it might be something i just noticed because i used to do that when i wrote and then i started editing it out because it's one of those things you're like it sounds cool when i do it even though that's not what the grammar rules are and mm. i'm like i noticed I did it all the time well i'm glad you're one list you brought up because before we move to chapter two there's one thing i want to say what so far 100% of the chapters with Feyre in them, she brings up painting. Oh, no. <laughs> this is... She has one hobby. <laughs> it's her personality trait. Is that it? Um, <laughs> my goodness. So far, 100% of the chapters. We'll see by the time we get to chapter four if it's still 100% of the chapters. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chapter two. You ready for my name? I got 99 problems, and my sisters are two of them. They are. I, I, said, I said so. It's crazy. So I love going into this chapter because mm-hmm. you're about to hate her sisters. But as Pharaoh walks up to the door, she says, I heard my sisters talking about ribbons and boys, and I smiled despite myself. Mm-hmm. She loves her family. I, I think there's a really interesting dynamic because it's clear she kind of wants them to have this like more restful peaceful life Mm -hmm. but also is like you all need to realize what the reality we're living in is too you are being selfish you're not putting your effort in well i put it as it's the difference between like when you have very older siblings and very younger siblings it's like they grew up with different parents it is i thought it was very interesting that Feyre. Farah, Farah, Farah. Okay, <laughs> was the youngest sibling. I it's very interesting because I could imagine her being the oldest, or maybe like the neglected, like middle child. It's weird to be that she's the youngest and having the burden, but also, first of all, there's some sort of secret with the mom. The mom making her swear some oath is probably going to come back because it was repeated a couple times about that. 
and also it guess it's like she lived the longest or the least amount of time in luxury yes so she's been able to adapt yeah the and they, they they will hit on that a lot mm-hmm. um especially with her relationship with her sisters but i they remind me so much of the evil stepsisters in cinderella i have that in my notes very wicked stepsisters right here mm-hmm. especially some of the more modern adapt adaptations where one is like slightly worse than the other right like elaine is worse than nesta vice versa is it yeah Nesta's the mean one i thought it was the other way around no i, I really got them mixed up because yeah. they weren't quite defined they're both kind you'll of, get to so El- nesta went out and chopped some wood a couple times though she did um so the communication and so nesta and elaine like nesta um I think it was a great intro to Nesta when they said uh, Nesta was born with a sneer on her face Mm. and had, like, never gotten rid of it. And uh, this is when she asked them to chop wood the first time. And Elaine, it simply would never occur to her. So I could see why you think that Elaine is worse because she just literally is Mm -hmm. useless. (laughs) Right. She's useless, whereas Nesta is like angry and she's the oldest and she's angry for a reason like she's pissed at her dad she's mad that she's not brave enough to be Feyre oh yeah I was mixing them up yeah but Nesta it says she cocked her head like a predator I've seen it like a predator here this is a spoiler you can answer does it really matter if I know which one's which yes it does matter (laughs) you will need to know the sisters but eventually not as much in this book as future books okay so they can wait then yeah um i love when she walks in and it's very sibling communication where one of the sisters i think it's nesta says where did you get that and she goes where do you think i got it yeah that is pure sister communication and i would think she sarah has a sister but she doesn't she doesn't have any sisters she has one younger brother well, you know, obviously she doesn't understand how great sisters are. Obviously. Obviously. Um, she never would have written it like that, but if she never. Did. I, I also love envisioning all of chapter two happening with a dead deer on the, ki- like, sprawled on the, <laughs> on the kitchen table of their, like, one room. There were <laughs> some times with the dead animals, I'm like, I'm not sure how that's how it works. I don't know much or anything about hunting don't I know feel like much we've had relatives who are hunters and i know enough details like in chapter one she's like i took a few more minutes and skinned the wolf and i was like i don't take, think that takes a few minutes okay <laughs> i'm pretty sure that takes a while yeah definitely uh, definitely takes a while um also she describes what happened to her dad what is your take on what happened with her mom and dad the mom got sick and mm-hmm. died. Yes. The dad seemed to, like, have borrowed money from some, like, loan sharks or something. So he's getting, like, beaten up and his leg broken and all that mm-hmm. shit. Bad money decisions. Probably trying to cling on to wealth and biz- trying to do business stuff. That's kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's I the vibe. I just wanted to make sure I didn't say too much. Because, I mean, that is the story. But Pharaoh will, like, explain mm-hmm. it more mm-hmm. as she gets on um, in the book. But, again. Right. A hundred percent of the chapters, they mention her painting. There's a lot of painting. (laughs) There's one of her ancestors. It's like whirls and swirls and ruins. Yeah. It's like, okay, girl. And and she, I like in this chapter that we find out that she's not a virgin. I think that is a Mm. crucial thing that they did for a long time in literature like this. Like you're going to go to some magical world and meet a 7,000 year old man and he's going to take your virginity. It's going to be the best sex you've ever had. I hate that. I hate that. I like that Isaac Hale's pounding it out in the hay. <laughs> Give it to me, Isaac. Oh, yeah. I wrote here and then I scratched it out. Is, is Isaac going to be destined to be the boring part of a love triangle? Mm. But I was like, I feel like he's going to be the... Fr- I scratched it out because I was like, I feel like he's the forgettable backstory. It's, the, it's her backstory. <laughs> it's her backstory. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think there was like this puritanical wave that happened in like teen and children's where it was like, oh, you have to wait to have sex till it's the perfect one in marriage and commitment. Um, very Twilight. Yeah, very Twilight, because it, it's, it's interesting, because you can see even TV shows of, like, I'll go to Boy Meets World, one of my favorite TV shows growing <laughs> up. And, like, season two, your characters are supposed to be in middle school, and it's, like, a whole episode about how people 
thought Corey and Topanga slept together because they fell asleep at school overnight and they're comparing it to the Scarlet Letter. It's like very open and frank about sex between young people. But then by as the show progressed, the 90s progressed and that like evangelical wave came in and they're like, we can't have sex till we're married and, right. and in college. And it's like, well, is this the same TV show where they they have two different ways they talk about sex depending on the era? Yeah, and it's like you know the '90s is like when the Jonas Brothers are like or the 2000s are all have their purity rings, mm-hmm. and like Britney Spears is out like I'm never get, having sex until I get married. Yeah, it's like yeah. it was very crazy. That was right. that was crazy. I will also say this chapter had a our first vomit. That's our vomit tracker mm-hmm. noise. I want to keep a close eye on this. Okay. okay. There's a lot of vomit in this book, and she threw up because her dad was beaten and soiled himself. As a person who vomits a lot, I think they vomit too much in these books. Oh. I don't think. Is it like they vomit so much, like it's too much, like some people cry too much, these these characters vomit too much? Yeah, they vomit. They They just, things things upset their stomach. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I was going to say, I think also the virginity thing is a weird way a thing that defines it different as adult literature than children mm. or, and then teen. Mm-hmm. And the reason is YA fiction is usually about first times of certain first time falling in love, first mm-hmm. time coming of age. And it's like, if you've already done that kind of makes it more adult. It's like, this isn't a big deal where right. it's like, if you're a teenager, it's a big deal. I agree. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like just thematically, not like it actually is a definition, but like, thematically kind of Mm -hmm. makes it distinct yeah um, i mean also in terms of like her family well elaine Mm -hmm. means fawn okay nesta means pure they're both welsh her dad we don't have his name okay and i know the dead parent thing maurice what said maurice oh yeah crazy old maurice Maurice. (laughs) i thought she said reese and i was like you're a good predictor, but that's not her dad's name. Oh, um, oh is there someone named Reese? Because yes. they're all Irish and Welsh. There and is English? someone named okay. Reese. Yes. All right. <laughs> is it Reese, like Reese Witherspoon, or is it Reese, like John Reese Davies? It's Rhysand, R H Y S A N D. Okay. So R H Y S is like John Reese Davies. Okay. It's so like John the very Gaelic yeah, Irish that's the way, way of spelling it. That's the way, Reese. Um, but. Tell us a little bit about why in literature they get rid of the parents. Here's journey wise. Uh, you get rid of the parents so the, the the characters can do shit without having to worry about the parents. Exactly. They get rid of the parents so there's no either the parents are dead or they're absolutely awful and neglectful. So the character doesn't have an adult that's advocating for them and fighting for them. You know, mm-hmm. you need an excuse, sort of in universe excuse, to let kids and young people, teens and young people go yeah on adventures they're free because otherwise what's the, what the hell are the parents doing right and it's like while her mom was dead it's like you can tell her dad is like in the midst of a mental health crisis his he's, wife died he lost his mobility man he lost he's, his good, good he's description broken yeah. in all sorts of ways right he can't provide for his family he's physically unable to he wasn't you know yeah mm-hmm I also, there were three connections I had other mm-hmm. than the stepsisters. One is the wards around the door. Okay. That Very reminded useless. me so much of Exodus with like the mm-hmm. angel of death going over the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah has a Jewish parent and a Catholic parent, but she was raised Jewish. Okay. So there's a, and she has a degree in both creative writing and theology. All right. So she's very like the religious connections are good. So I really loved that the wards mm-hmm. meant nothing. <laughs> the angel of death burst right in. Right. right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it didn't help at all. Um, and I loved Farah's description of both the family bed and bringing up the dowry. Because until Victorian times, mm-hmm. people slept in family beds. Everybody slept together. You would literally hit the hay. There weren't even beds. You would just sleep in the hay together. Right. Um, and I love the way she described her, um, how her mother, it was her marriage bed, and she was born in that bed, and her mother died in that bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is gross. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gross. I think they washed the sheets. <laughs> Maybe. But things go through the sheets. I don't know what kind of mattresses they have. They had hay mattresses. Yeah. That's why it's hit the hay. But then also they just scooped out the hay and put in new hay. They had the they have the reverse dowry too because the original 
reason for a dowry was for the man's family to pay the female's family for the missing work that they were going to lose. I thought it was the other way around. But then it flipped sometime in ancient Rome that the bride's family gave the husband's family money. Okay. Okay. Because I know, like, in, like when you get to, like, Jane Austen, it's, mm-hmm. it's you give the money because it's supposed to help upkeep their life. Right. Um, you mean, like, in holes? <laughs> I don't. I mean, like in Pride and Prejudice, they don't have any money, and so it's like, well, you got to marry rich because because you don't have any money, and you can't marry a poor guy because a poor guy won't be able to support you without having you having half of your funds to help right. you guys have maintain the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just I love the the Thomas Mandrakes, the Isaac Hales, the this the the marriage conversation is so victorian england but this is clearly not yeah that era i really like that it's older old Mm -hmm. country fake country okay quote of the chapter i loved because it hits home Farah is like aggravated with her sisters and she says i took a long sip from the chipped mug Mm. the mug is chipped everybody we've got chip in the house he can't talk. He's not cute, but we have our chipped mug. <laughs> I'm very happy with it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for chapter three? Okay. Chapter three, this poor provincial town <laughs> is what I am calling right. it. Okay. I think there's a lot of interesting things in this. Tell me about chapter three. We go into town. We find there are some acolytes mm-hmm. which i was excited about because earlier um in one of the chapters she's like oh the old the gods we forgot about and i was like oh is this one of those books that doesn't have religion and religion can be such a cool world building concept for fantasy and then i was like oh i retract my <laughs> statement there is religion which can be such a cool world building element that i think a lot of modern fantasy because a lot of people and and you know, in dystopia and a lot of things, it can like the people have no hope. It's not about hope. It's also you can define worldviews different than ours. Mm. And I think a lot of people now are agnostic or irreligious or whatever, so they don't incorporate it. And it's like, yeah, but are you just recreating the values of our culture that are built on a lot of forced Christianity values without even thinking about it? And that you could have created your own religion and changed how people interacted and what their morality is. Like, right. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I love the acolytes. I think they're great. I can't tell whether they're more like hippies. It said they had like long hair and robes mm-hmm. or they're more like Jehovah's Witness because they're out like, please come and worship with us. We want you to be a part. They're wearing their silver. Right. Which attracts fairies. Right. That's the opposite. The shiny things are Mm-hmm. Good to the fairies. I had to mm-hmm, Google that because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. The little bells. Oh, yeah. Reminds the me bells. of Tinkerbells that yeah. attract Every the fairies. Every time a bell rings, right. Rachel gets its wings. Yeah. So I thought that was very great. I don't know. I'm excited to see more of the Children of the Blessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're very fun. There's also the mercenary lady. I Most hope, interesting character in I the chapter. I hope she comes back. She's I, great. I, I thought she was very interesting. Um, and obviously the sisters are like, how dare you interact with this person? And she's like, get out of here. Now you care about my safety. Right. Right. Um, and you know, she drops us a bunch of information about something or the other called a man, mandrake. I don't know. A martax. Martax. And a martax, I looked up, is a type of fairy creature with a body as big as a bear, a head of a lion, and three rows of teeth. Is that what's on the cover of the book? I don't know. I think that's supposed to be the wolf she kills. Is it the wolf? There's an arrow sticking out of it. I know. I'm not sure, though. Well, okay. Like, you're not convincing right now either, so I don't know what you want. I just looked up a Martax because I'd never heard of that before. Right. Um, So she definitely talks about that. Uh, She also brings up the um, water fairies. Like, when... Vera is describing fairies she's scared of. She said the ones with scales and spindly arms that would pull you under the water, which oh, is a description like of a, a like a water wraith. Yeah, yeah, from Scotland, like a very scary old woman mm-hmm. who presides over the water. Which so now it's like 
we're getting lots of different types of fairy descriptions in the first couple chapters and i just want to point that out there's lots of types of fairies and they're kind of they're going creepy creepy fairy i imagine though the beast in chapter four is going to be a sexy fairy at some point who's just creepy right now i can't tell you that i mean i'm unsure i know but because like she she in this chapter (laughs) Feyre and the mercenary use the words fairy high fey and high lord Mm. They use all three of those terms, which is like, those are three descriptors that you usually hear in separate fairy novels. Right, know? right. It's She's using all, all the vocab. Everything's a fairy. All the fairies are fairies. Right. Intersectionality, baby. <laughs> <laughs> fairy intersectionality. <laughs> very, very important. Yeah. Very important. I also did want to point out here. We see Isaac Hale for the first time getting her over to the barn. Isaac, Hebrew name. Hale, witch hunter last name. I mm-hmm. thought that was important. That Hale's witch hunter last name? Okay, like, so when I Nathan saw Hale. the name Isaac Hale, I was like, isn't that a character from Teen Wolf, the MTV TV show? Mm. It's not. There's a character named Isaac Leahy, and then there's a whole Hale family. They're werewolves. Actually, oh. all of them are werewolves at that point in the show. But I was like, why put those two names together? Because it's like there's a whole people, a whole group of characters with the last name Hale, and there was a character named Isaac. And I was like, wasn't that a character from Teen Wolf? It was not. Yeah, no. The last name Hale, like, is a literal real person from the United oh. States who was, like, a witch hunter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I thought that that was very weird. But then also Thomas is a Hebrew name. So she gave both of these boys. I mean, they're very classic names, but Isaac is, and Thomas. Is Thomas the... The one that wants to marry Nesta. Nesta. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Nesta. Yeah. That's how I say it. Because I feel like she's like a snake. <laughs> I get it. It, it gets small. It sounds like canned iced tea. <laughs> so got, you're thinking of the brisk commercial from when we were kids with the claymation. Like, so oh, it's isn't like, there nest tea? Isn't that a thing? <laughs> yes. Here's what I think, though. It's like, Feyre. Like, ah. And then there's Nesta. And then there's Elaine. <laughs> it's like, and Elaine. And Elaine. <laughs> Poor Elaine. She's the- Peggy something sisters yeah the archeron sisters that's her last name really do we have their surname yet i don't think Feyre so. archeron she doesn't you don't find out her name until chapter two. Oh yeah 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 when her sister says it because she's not going to say it in her head although i talk to myself i'll be like come on Allie, get it together that's exactly what i, I say come on greenie um never <laughs> yeah i don't know i i just there's a lot oh the wall that's the dump from this chapter oh yeah that there's... i think i lost the plot of i lost i got lost a little bit in all the details of what the cool ass mercenary lady was saying yeah but i feel like the wall i've seen that in other fantasy like yes. the wall like in stardust shadow and bones shadow six of crows <laughs> We both said two different things. But they all have walls. Yes. They have walls. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have that wall that's separating the universe. This reminds me of, like, you know, things like the Great Wall of China or the 35th Compromise, like, across the U.S. Like, this is the North and this oh, is the South. I, I was thinking of it in more of the fantasy things. I've seen a lot of fantasy where there's, like, a veil between, like, the mortal world or a w- literal wall, some sort of barrier between the mortal world and, like, this is the world with magic. This and is a lot the world of, with fantasy. A lot of Greek um, mm-hmm. stories will use a veil to mean like yeah. the underworld or like right, the river of right. sticks. There's, There's a separation. some actual physical barrier and then like you pass, but you can pass through it or over it into yes. that, that place. And what you find is that <laughs> hundreds of years ago, the humans were slaves to the Fae. That's one of the things okay. Feyre brings up in her uh, head. Yeah, she does mention that. So that, I think, is a pretty, like, that. this is more of, like, a let's figure out the relationship between the fairies the and the humans. Like, like, there's, yeah. like, a brewing distaste. There's a brewing hate, um, resentment, fear, mm-hmm. you know, all that. And it sort of seems like the humans are like, well, we really can't do much about it, though. Yeah. Like, these iron bracelets probably won't work, and our wards don't work. And, yeah. yeah it's interesting. And then Nesta and Elaine got exactly what they wanted anyway. They got a cloak. And some yeah. boots, and then they all just go home. Yeah. Actually, Favor goes to Smash. Elaine and Nesta go buy what they need and go home mm-hmm. to Isaac, who's engaged, which Isaac, bad on you. Please don't do that. That's rude to your fiance. Yeah. Just want to say, I want to put that out there. No cheating allowed. Um, okay. 
Did you have any quotes in chapter three? I didn't write anything down because it's my least favorite of the three chapters that we read. Um, you said that was your least favorite chapter. You think the fourth one's your least favorite chapter? It was my least favorite No. Chapter. Okay. Let me give you the name. I have a name for it. Give me the name. Shit gets real. <laughs> That's what I have in my notes. <laughs> I put, he doesn't even go here. <laughs> I just, so I mean, we open with the door being busted in. I also wrote, she volunteers as tribute. <laughs> yes, I volunteer as tribute. Well, and it also says, okay, it says that this beast person, yet to be named, mm-hmm. is the size of a horse, feline wolf, which now that I looked up what a Martax is, I'm thinking, is he a Martax? And then I was thinking, because I originally pictured him as a griffin. Okay. Like with talons and like a griffin head. Like the guy from the uh, Welsh flag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's what I've always pictured. But yeah. now that I've read the literal definition of Martax, a fairy creature with a body as big as a bear, head of a lion, and three rows of teeth. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, I imagine he's going to start turn sexy later so i don't i don't know if i can imagine all these animal pieces together right now yeah he's being it pretty also crazy. was like a, 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 a gin cocktail in so i think my brain is go. getting a little fuzzy i mean also though like she the whole time is trying to figure out a way to kill him like she's very brave stupid and brave um maybe i'll need to reread the chapter for me the tension didn't hit the spot it felt like they were mostly just standing talking well, isn't that what Beauty and the Beast is? <laughs> they just no, sit at the but, table and talk. But it didn't. I felt like there's some easy ways it could have been like escalated. Because okay. she's, she's kind of standing there and she's very in her head, kind of like what you said with the bow and bow and arrow in the first chapter, where she's like, "I can't do this. I can't do that. I guess I have to do this, but I can't go of, over it. Can't, can't go, go under it. Gotta, gotta go around it. <laughs> That's through it. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, through it. Through, through it. Yeah. <laughs> the only way is through Under Armour. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Like he could have grabbed the father and assumed he was the one. Very much more Beauty and the Beast, like, um, which is obviously a, a thing. Yeah, like, but- it had been like, oh, it was you, because he already said he didn't believe her at one point. Like the what? father it was you? should have volunteered. If we're doing a loose retelling, he didn't volunteer. I no. like, I like that he's saying, Farah, if you ever get out of here don't come back i think that's interesting like i think a, that is you're too good for this life like, he knows that job. about his daughter um but i don't know i just i just like was reading it and i was like i don't feel the pressure i thought i should feel and i thought if the beast i don't know the person do you have a name yet not yet so i'm not gonna tell the you the creature <laughs> fey person right um like kind of broken, used his biggest intimidation move right away, and then was like, "Who did it? Oh, what, you? Let's talk for a bit." And then it was instead of like, like if Favor actually attacked and like failed, and then I don't know. I think there's like a couple things that could have happened in the structure that would have just made the tension pack up a little bit. I agree with um, you. I will say there is a reason the beast is not attempting to hurt her right well you know i I, i'm sure there's a reason and the reason is you go ahead i hate you Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i I don't i agree with you you're right that's what i was like i'm sure there's more pieces to this and he has a reason that's going to be revealed but i just thought i was just like sitting there and it's like there's a lot of like talking and in her head she goes and i'll be gone all this paint will be gone and no one will ever remember me right why the fuck did she say that marjorie i just i yeah there's ways to do with like the pacing of the sentences or just like the action of the thing like does he think it was the dad and trying to take the dad away to like punish him in the fair Mm. like and she's like no it was me or is it is he is she trying to attack and then i don't know i think there's just things it just didn't land with me like you weren't worried, you weren't scared. I You're like scared. obviously she's going, going with him. With him, it yeah. seems pretty. There's a lot of conversation around it, you know. And then I will say there's a couple visuals I like. Mm-hmm. I love the very considerate Feyre. Like do it outside. I thought that sentence was very interesting. Like if you're mm-hmm. gonna kill me, 
get my blood somewhere else. Right. And I love the visual of the family kneeling before the fireplace while Farah is in front of them. Right. I feel like that was very the opposite They're of all s- pathetic. Yeah, they are God. all pathetic. What are they doing? Why don't you why just, isn't anyone helping? Why don't you just goddamn try? Like pick up a fire poker. I don't like, understand why on. Nesta shifts her body in front of Elaine and doesn't care that her other younger sister is about to die. Right. That's insane to me. Like I would go crazy regardless mm-hmm. of which younger sibling it was. Um Kind of, yeah, I would have liked for the father to have tried, like, to be like, no, it was me. Just even, like, a pathetic attempt. Even and he doesn't at he all. Doesn't. He just kneels he and is like, go, Farah, go. So I, you've said in the past when you, before this podcast was a thing, when you just talked about the series, that the first book was very Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And I definitely see that because I've definitely read different versions where there are sisters. Um, usually it's the father who does something. And sometimes the father is much more of an asshole and not like the Beauty and the Beast father who actually cares. He's like, I picked this rose from the garden and I got yelled at and I said I would exchange you for me. So go ahead, girly. Um, So both the Disney movie and this put the actions more in the hands of the actual character. Right. Um, But yeah like this family would any of you even try? Why are you trying to save them? Yeah, I it is very you will be frustrated over and over again with the Archerons. Uh, you'll come around on some of them. Well, they better, like, get their act together. Well, some of them, not telling you which ones, we have entire books in their head now. Oh. Whereas we're still waiting on an entire book in the head. So I came around on one of them when I had to spend 500 pages inside of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That uh-huh. sounded crazy but that's what she said yeah exactly exactly (laughs) um i i don't know i just i liked her goodbye advice like but also again she shouldn't have had to do that but yeah like she's trying to tell them like how to survive she's like dry the meat you know how to do it yeah yeah you've been catching meat for years for them like what are you talking about of course they know how to do it but the best was when she said don't marry thomas Mm. his dad beats his mom and none of the sons do anything about it and i picture thomas as gaston he's Mm. the guy in town but she also could have just said that earlier she should have said it earlier maybe she didn't want to say it in front of the dad maybe she wanted to wait and get nesta alone so nesta didn't feel so vulnerable i don't know very weird so i picture beast man as being cast as like a hemsworth for sure oh really Obviously, I don't know enough about him yet. Yet. And I haven't seen Sexy Version. Yeah. Oh, also, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I know he's already in an adaption, but I feel like Ben Barnes hits, like, the sexy bad guy, good guy vibe. Wait, who's Ben Barnes? Ben Barnes is is Prince Caspian himself. He's in Shadow and Bone. Yeah, I know who he is. See, the problem is... He's already cast. He has kind of been a fan cast for a different character in the series oh in in fan fans you know he was fan cast in shadow and bone and everyone was like our our dreams have come true when he finally got to be that character people want him to be a different character in this series okay so So, i know exactly who you're talking about but yeah i picture like a hemsworth like a dan stevens i don't know who that is um i can't explain him he, he actually he plays the beast in the live action beauty and the beast but i want dan Steve, stevens but like with um with emma watson but i just want him but i want him to be like more rugged okay i feel like this character needs to be a little bit more rugged um very weird uh, also the life for a life in the treaty that's eye for an eye that's old testament that's leviticus going back to the bible yeah. you got that eye for an eye jazz uh, did you have any quotes in chapter four that you really liked? No. No. I wrote down, <laughs> you murdered my friend, the beast snarled. She literally calls him a beast. Mm. Like, all right, Sarah, get it, get it, get it. Say it. So is this set of four chapters? Is this a first person narrative? What is this called? Yes. First person narrative. <laughs> first person. I love that for me. First person narrative. So that is when the author is talking from their own self and narrating. What does that mean? It means the character is like you're in one character's head and it's like I said, I did. Okay, I see. a first person. I is first person. Okay. Um, also, when you are picking names 
Mm-hmm. Do you take a long time when you're writing? Yeah. Yeah, because these names are very specific, I think. We only get three names. I mean, right. other than Isaac Hale and Thomas Mandrake, which who cares? We get Thera, right. Elaine, and Nesta. You, like, look up name backgrounds and everything? I don't so much do backgrounds. It's like I need the name to have the right vibe. Okay. So, like, <laughs> you if you ever don't... met someone that's a jerk, you won't use their name for right. a nice person. Or, like, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound of the era. It sounds too – it makes me think of this person, this character. You know, there's certain names. It's like you can never name a female character in a fantasy saga, Leia. It's already taken. It's too iconic. Like, sure. There's just certain ones. It's like I can't use that. So, yeah, I more, like, go for the sound and hitting what I think it should sound like than the meanings. I can't wait to read a book and there's, like, a Charles B. and a Charles F. Why isn't nobody in any of these books have the same name? Because that's a bad decision. But I think it's more real. Okay, but it's, like, because it's already hard for a reader to differentiate when there's two characters that have similar sounding names. Like, you can't have, like, a Megan and a Morgan or whatnot. What about Arwen and Eowyn? Well, they're completely structurally different if you knew anything <laughs> about Lord of the Rings. I don't. I don't. They are. They're spelled different. They're very oh. visually different. And also, Arwen's not a character in Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry to tell you. She shows up once in Return of the King and has one line of dialogue. Oh, excellent. That's no, not excellent. There's a lot, there are a female characters in that series. Okay. A lack. A huge lack. I don't know if I use the word dearth correctly. I don't know <laughs> if dearth means a lot or a little. Editing alley here. Dearth literally means an amount of something that is too small. A lack. So, who cares? I care. I care. I care. (laughs) Thank you for that Care Bear reference. Okay. 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 So you can't have characters have the same names unless they're thematically linked. Okay. Unless it's like a joke, like the Ashleys from Recess. Like you can make a joke Mm -hmm. or there's this is going off. There's a um anime called Yuri on Ice. Uh It's, It's about ice skating. It's about figure skating. Um and there's two characters named Yuri. And they're competitors, but also they're thematic foils to each other. So it's like, it works when there's two characters that have the same name, if there's a point to it. Perfect. I just always want it. Um, also, do you think these first four chapters is sufficient world building? I think there's a lot of world building in this first four yeah. chapters. And it's, I mean, and it's, it's good. It's, it's, I think it's like good that it's a teasing world building where it doesn't give you everything. It gives you enough that you're like, what the is going on so i do like the world building i like how it's integrated into the story sometimes it's a little heavy i feel like chapter three it's like a lot of conversation that was just world building right with the mercenary i'm i'm ready i think it was fast enough not a very long first four chapters no um that i was like okay i i get i get what's going you both gave me a world and you gave me more specifically the character's world right i love that Mm -hmm. all right so for next week, we're going to read five through eight. Okay. I want you to give me three predictions of what's happening in the next four chapters. I think the wolf is a fae of some sort, not a real wolf. Okay, hot. I'll give you hot or cold. Go ahead. Okay, that was hot. That okay. was hot. I think there's... Obviously, the, the beast is not going to kill her. He wants her to go with her. That's not a prediction. That's just what happened in the book. <laughs> I I mean, where's she going? Is she gonna live in a castle? Is there gonna be is it gonna be pretty? Is it gonna be scary? Is it She's going into the Fey realm. Okay. I'm wondering if there's I think he's gonna turn sexy when he move passes over into the Fey realm that like maybe like they're beasts in the mortal realm and then they're like sexy humans mm-hmm. in the fey realm or sure. that or they can like transform like changelings or werewolves or whatever but i think it's i think it's like he's gonna be hot i think it's gonna be hot when you walk across like okay. a bar- some sort of magical barrier okay that's middle 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 okay i i'm trying to think what my prediction is is why he said okay like he seemed to be like you're a murderer and i'm coming in He's angry. He's angry. I hope it's not straight up Beauty and the Beast where it's like, I need someone to fall in love with me to break a curse. I don't know. Your, your, your expression was suspicious. I feel like maybe she did something in that moment that he was like, hmm, I'm intrigued. Okay. That's, that's my prediction. That's cold. But that's okay. All right. <laughs> You've got your three predictions. I love that. So okay. your first one hot, next one middle, 
third one <laughs> bad cult. <laughs> that's no it's not a bad prediction it's a good writing choice it's just not what happens in the book well, okay so we're gonna give out some five stars and then we're gonna oh right all right that's what we're doing okay so i am going to give out five stars and then one star okay. sometimes i'll give out three okay but this time i'm all extremes so my five stars or my five wolf pelts are going to the mercenary lady because mm-hmm. she's cool as hell i just like her she's got scars she's like a fairy godmother character she gives her money that more money than the wolf pelt is worth that's mm-hmm, my five mm-hmm. five wolf pelts okay who do you want to give something to I want to give five kicks in the shin to <laughs> Nesta and Elaine. Get your shit together, girls. Yes, I Sisterhood. agree. Sisterhood. That's, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> five <laughs> kicks in the shin. So that's a negative five. Mine yeah, is a positive five. Okay. Negative five. I want to give one iron bracelet to, to Farrah's chipping painting. <laughs> I 100% of the chapters had painting. 25% of the chapters had vomiting <laughs> this mm. week. I want to give five more kicks in the shin to Nesta and Ali. Perfect. Yeah, they're they're a little. They are not the best. They need they need someone to wake them up. Absolutely, wake me up before you go. Oh, okay. So that's it. We've done chapters one through four. Do you like it? I'm intrigued. Were you sitting like, man? I wish I could read more. Not yet. Not I enough of a I read them all in one night, and that was like mm-hmm. 50 pages, so that was like a good break for good. me. But I, like I said, I had like a note that I was like, existential crisis. This is actually really good, like especially in chapter one. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. It so, is. I'm you're, intrigued. You're going to like it. Like I, yeah. And so chapter uh, 10 is like where the next really good cliffhanger is, but I figure we'll do four chapters because that, it seemed like good timing. Everybody else, mm-hmm. you can tell us more or less when you listen, but I think we'll do... For next week specifically, read five to eight if you're reading along. Five to eight. Okay. And we'll see you then. Thanks for visiting our Massiverse. Our pod of Mass and And Methods. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to a pod of Mass and Methods. We're a sister podcast to Her Story on the Rocks, independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. Join us in the Massiverse by reading along each week. All of our contacts and socials are available on herstoryontherocks.com. See you next week.